0: Hey guys, wow, wow, hey, all right, situated, how's it going, good, good, I got the Bieber mic tonight so I can have my hands free, hopefully don't break out in song, (laughs) Uh, well welcome to Salt, uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Camden. I'm one of the new residents here. Camden Daniel Glenn, if you actually want to know. Um, but I am excited to be up here. If you want to know a couple things about me, though, I got two things I want to tell you, all right? One thing. Actually, one with two parts to it, okay? I'm a diehard Kansas City cheese fan. Through and through, baby. <laughs> no, shut up. Uh, but uh, any cheese fan? Okay. Yeah, it's Sawyer. (laughs) So, yes, you will see me once the fall hits around that I will be wearing nonstop Chiefs stuff. And along with that, if you're an EPL fan, English Premier League Soccer, I'm a Chelsea fan. All right. There we go. There we go. Uh, One more thing. Uh, I will probably sweat through this entire shirt tonight. And I kind of realized it too late that I chose, like, the worst color to do that in. And I also found out I have a stain on it. So don't look at me. I will sweat through it because I'm terrified of public speaking, and but here I am, and so through that, though, to prepare for tonight, I was able to take a basic acting class this last semester. <laughs> Shout out Piper and Nick, they know, um, but yes, I actually did, and I got a great grade on it, so we'll see how this goes, but uh, yes, my excitement to preach tonight and be able to open God's word is uh, vastly outweighs any of my nerves, so... Today, we're going to be in Acts 16 with the story of Paul in prison. Uh, So, we'll be in specifically 16 through 34. So, go ahead and flip there, and I'll meet you there. Well, actually, I'm already there. But um, I kind of just want to take a moment before we kind of begin and dive in. Uh, I I just got to let you in on a little thing. I was not ready and having a tough time coming up with a sermon for this. As I said, I'm very scared of public speaking because I very much deal with doubt and anxiety. And so I found myself struggling to piece together, like, this whole story and coming up with solid points and a big idea. Uh, And I was getting more and more uh, nervous and doubting and finding a little no confidence in my ability. Um, But as Cole preached, we had had the privilege of going to uh, the SALT annual training these last couple of days. And let me tell you guys, you know, you might think think like, oh, man, like, A a vacation before you actually first preach is probably not the best thing for you. But it was such a blessing, and it was not only great to be together with all of them, but also just like reminder of the gospel, and that this like that we find ourselves in our day and age of like forgetting that what the gospel can do, and in that we can find our confidence. And so that's kind of sort of the focus today is that a lot of times um, we have we we find ourselves to be gospel amnesiacs. And what I mean by that is that we, and I am included, are easy to forget the power of the gospel. We tend to see the gospel as a past and future thing, an entrance and an exit. We can celebrate the forgiveness we have been given and the inclusion in God's family and look to the future for what is given, but we easily forget the nowism of the gospel. And when we come to Christ, it isn't just our past and our future changed. It's everything in our lives has changed right now, right here. And so easily we want to dismiss the the work of the gospel in the here and now and look forward to and and forget the work you do for the gospel. Um, So that's kind of what the little taste of tonight is going to look like. And as we see in Acts 16 with Paul and Silas in prison, um, we see just great examples of what it's like to live out the gospel and to work for it. And so the big idea for tonight is this, your faithfulness is not in vain. And so what I mean by that is that in the light of the gospel, the work you do, the work you continue and you're called to do will never be in vain and will always ring loudly for time to come. So, um, tonight we're going to be learning about Paul in prison with Silas. And uh, for that, I'm going to start in Acts 16. I'm just going to to verse 18 real quick as we we open up. Um, So read with me here in verse 16. Once... As we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. So, a little little weird story, that's kind of strange, and where, how we got here, where we're at in this narration of Acts, obviously, obviously we have to remember that Acts is a narrate, narrate, narration, it's a storytelling of the first, you know, the beginnings of, of the church, and so as we heard last week from Jacob um, about the Jerusalem Council, and after that, towards the end of chapter 15, um, Paul and Barnabas are sent out to go continue to the work of the gospel, and so they're sent out, and... Um, but they have a sharp disagreement. We have no idea what that means. That's a, I wish I was a fly on the wall in there, but um, man, they, they, so they, it, was, it was over whether or not to bring Mark. So Paul didn't want to bring Mark, Barnabas wanted to, they didn't, whatever. They just were like, okay, let's just split up. So they split up, Paul and Silas went out and went around the region and they, they come to Philippi, which we were at right now in Acts 16. And uh, we see in the first couple verses of, of six, uh, Acts 16, um, it's this beautiful salvation story of a girl named Lydia. And 16 is all about the foundation of the, the church in Philippi. And so we see that Lydia is this first con- convert for the gospel in, in Philippi. And so it's this beautiful story of how Lydia, she was a seller of goods, and she um, was actually practicing going to the, the, the temple and she was following Jesus, but she had never actually heard the gospel until Paul had come and she was baptized and believed um, immediately. And so we have that to set us up, and then we turn quickly into this kind of story, off putting story of a demon possessed girl who um, it's basically the opposite of the story of Lydia. Uh, scholars have mentioned that she's in her, her mid teens, she has a demon, she's a slave. Um, which ultimately means she's a spiritually and economic captive. So she has this dual mastership. And uh, Paul is greatly annoyed by her. We have no, like, that's such a wild phrase to hear in the Bible, that somebody's annoyed with somebody else. And, well, why is he annoyed? She What we see in this is that she's saying, these men who are reclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. That seems pretty nice. To have somebody kind of be your hype train, like, oh, yeah, that's why we're here, you know, but... For some reason, he was annoyed by it. And so he was annoyed because even though what she was saying was very true and uh, it was what they were doing, it's deceiving because of the source it's coming from. And so she's a demon-possessed girl who is, who is basically like, yeah, like being their hype train, preaching what they're doing. And so Paul is annoyed because the source is one of evil. No matter what the material may be, uh, the source can be interpreted wrongly. By those around them, so even as we saw, see throughout the Gospels, Jesus commanded demons not to pronounce his name after they he had uh, commanded to come out of people, and so even in the context of this day and age, we can see that um, the Most High God it says that it, re- it can refer to whatever deity um, a person may may find to be supreme uh, in their own beliefs, because in this day and age they're not a monotheistic. Uh, They're very paganistic and they're very non-monotheistic culture. And so, initially, we can see that this declaration may seem like a help to Paul as it attracts crowds and provides a good starting point for discussing the gospel. Um, But it's so ambiguous and it's so misleading that it it, it falls to deaf ears. And so, um, this kind of brings about my first point of the night, which is, um, through this, we see that we must, as workers and believers in the gospel we must anticipate resistance and so that's my, that's my first point is anticipating resistance um, and so as we see Paul had the wisdom and alertness to confront the girl and not back down from a demon he commanded the demon to release the girl and it did he was prepped with discernment knowing myself I don't know what I would have done there's no way I would have confronted this girl now if you know me I hate confrontation <laughs> So I, like, absolutely abhor it. I would so easily let it slide and allow her to continue to talk these things because I'm like, well, what she's saying is, like, inherently fine. So, like, why not? And so, or I would just let somebody else do it. You know, Silas, you got this, man. Like, go ahead. Um, and so it's, it's so easy for us to, to misinterpret and shy away from such resistance. I think about um, where I work right now, I'm um, Surplus. Out surplus. <laughs> and I think of like how how much like how shy I am to even just pray at lunch while we're having lunch for like our break. And because like one time I did, and one of one of my coworkers, had heard you mention that I was weird. I was like, oh man, wow. I just really I really care about what this guy thinks about me and all this, you know, whatever. And so, not really, but. Uh, so it, it's so easy that we can, we can mistake resistance as a sign of stop or back down, and, but this is not what we should be, be, be believing. It is right to anticipate that there will be opposition to what we believe. If your response is one of negativity and avoidance, then application is so easy for you in this, in this context. How can we be alert and prepared for resistance today through speaking the gospel and being believers in the word? Well, we obviously don't have to exercise demons out of people. That's, that would be crazy. But we do have to arm ourselves with the word. Understand the different views of others, especially in this day and age where, I mean, we all know it in a public university. There's a lot of different beliefs and doctrines that are instilled in us. And if you don't believe or accept them, then you're hated for or you're disregarded. And so through that, we must understand the truth of the scripture and that in the light of the gospel, we can have full full confidence in exterminating evil and resistance. But as we kind of go on, we don't see this is like the only salvation story. Because we can infer through this story, though they met resistance and though Paul was able to um, remove the demon from her, we can infer that she was saved because she wasn't a a hindrance going forward. Um, But as we kind of go through the rest of the passage, we can see that this isn't the only salvation story. And so we pick up at verse 19, I'm going to go through 25, um, and so you just follow along with me. When our owners realized that their, their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Now, what a turn of events. Talk about escalation. These owners of the slave girl found themselves without a source of income. Their business was crippled. I love the words of verse 19 where it says, their, of hope, their hope of profit was gone. Imagine having that much faith in such a business and it crippling and, and, and falling because one girl was saved. Crazy. They used di- so they used diabolical and evil ways to make their money, and now they're faced with what to do. And so all they had to do was just go and blame somebody else. So they convinced the magistrates. The magistrates, back in that day, were Roman officials, and uh, they were ma- they were responsible for maintaining civil order. And so they had them sl- thrown in prison and b- brutal beatings and all that we read. Um, and so through this, I kind of got the point of, man, this is tough. Like this is this is serious stuff. This is this is a spiritually div- just crazy story. And so w- my next point. For us tonight is expect suffering. As we continue to work and, and, and preach and believe what we believe, we will, as believers, experience suffering. And so we must, and we must expect it. Um, so while we aren't going to be thrown in prison or beaten, hopefully not, I mean in this economy today, maybe, but you are, maybe over gas, but you are going to lose friends. You're going to experience ridicule for your beliefs, you may even lose relationship with family members. I pray that's not the case, but it is clear in the word, um, and as it says in Matthew 10, I love how it says in Matthew 10, 34 through 36, as Jesus is speaking, it says, I did not come to bring priests but a sword, for I came to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Guys, we will experience suffering within relationships, in every environment we find ourselves in so let us not cower let us embrace the fact that we cannot escape suffering but also know that suffering produces endurance it is a is it a requirement for every christian is it an undeniable fact that we will experience suffering since our beliefs are so countercultural to what the world is today nobody wants to die to themselves nobody wants to work hard but that's the life of a believer but I also want to focus our attention on verse 25. It states that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. that's, that's to me is insane. That speaks loudly and clearly than anything else in this, in this passage. In the midst of their pain and suffering, their gaze was fixed on Christ. Knowing that this suffering was appointed from God for a specific purpose, they were faithful even in their faithfulness. They, their faith in who they were did not falter. Who they were following, who they were, and who they were in Christ were not, did not falter. I love that. It speaks so clearly to how we are to be imitators of the word. And see that Paul is a great example of this through this story. Um, I know you probably have been around salt. If you, are, if you have been, you've, you've heard the story of when uh, Cole preached this last April of uh, Shekinah, Ephraim, and Leo. And so I had the privilege of being there as well in Zambia last summer. And uh, when I tell you it was literally a biblical level story, it was. Because the, the, so to break it down for those that you don't know, um, these were three guys that we worked with or either were, worked with or were friends with um, through a ministry down there in the campus, um, campus ministry. And one night they were, they were walking and they had a, opposition the opposite political party propaganda and they were seen by by the opposition so there's two political parties obviously we all know that they were on the opposite end of the one that was in office if that didn't make any sense people see them they get beat up attacked you know mauled whatever you want to put in there and thrown into a cage now through this uh, they are being threatened with death being threatened with burning, all this stuff, and all the while they're singing praises and, 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 and praying to God. And we only hear about it once they're in the hospital, but um, it was just an insane story and an experience to see how they were faithful, even in their suffering and their pain. Because then it went on and we saw them be saved. They were, they were let free went to the hospital, and in the next couple days, all their injuries were were basically healed. And so, this is how we should live. We should live with so much joy and rejoicing in the gift of the gospel um, that we can do anything and get through anything through the work of Christ has done for us. He suffered, and he knows our pain, so we can have full confidence in whatever we face. God will deliver us from it. May we be all the more faithful even when it seems like there is no end in sight or deliverance. And so this brings us to just a great example and great motivation and encouragement as you are experiencing suffering um, in our last point. And this is the last couple of, verses of, the, of the of the chapter, and I want to I read that real quick um, as we kind of land this plane. It picks up in verse 26. Suddenly there there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself, since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, because we're all here. The The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour and that night washed their wounds. Right away he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. I love how this story ends. It, It... as we see in the first couple of verses of 16 with the story of Lydia and such celebration and encouragement for the, for the expansion of the gospel, it also ends with such an encouraging story. But God was using this moment and this time that Paul and Silas were in prison as a moment to save you another unlikely, unlikely sinner, a member of the Roman legal system. That's why through the assurances of sin and through suffering and resistance we can rest assured knowing that God is at work. And that's our third point, that know that God is at work. Believe it. Because we can see it perfectly within these verses. But this kind of this section kind of brings about a major question of like if this supernatural earthquake happened, why didn't Paul leave? Why is he still there? He's innocent. We know that. We all, everyone reading knows he shouldn't, he shouldn't be there. The walls are down. The chains are gone. Wasn't this an act of God to show salvation from oppression? No. Paul recognizes this as Paul, all part of God's plan. To bring the jailer to his knees in adoration and awe. That this was God's plan to reach Philippi. To, pre, to put him in prison and suffer before a jailer and then tell him the reason why he's happy. It was a price he was willing to pay. So Paul had freedom in his right hand. He could have walked, he walk, could have walked out easily, and he had, he had this cruel man who has tortured him in his left hand. And what does he do? He, he turns back to the jailer and offers him grace. No wonder the, the jailer was so moved. And all Paul had to say was five words. Believe in the Lord Jesus. It's that simple. <laughs> That's the power of the gospel. But isn't that such a clear picture of how God works, though? In supernatural ways and methods to bring about supernatural results, every salvation story that we see and every salvation story that you experience and probably have experienced is a miracle. Because we know that only through Christ can someone be saved and their heart open towards the truth of the gospel. Here we are. If you're a believer, you're saved and you understand what the gospel is and we've been given and we're so short-sighted to share it with those around us at our work, in our classes, even our families. Why? I think it's because we lose sight of the gospel. Like I mentioned earlier, I was struggling to find how I was going to stand in front of you guys and preach tonight. And I quickly was just became a gospel anesiac and forgot what the Lord is already doing and I can pull confidence from him. And so um, I think, yeah, we just lose sight and forget what the Lord has already done. And this is a wild illustration that I thought of, but it was it kinda came to me as I was thinking about like what I would have done. And I don't know if you guys have heard the show What Would You Do. And uh, I mean, you guys know him. Hey, it's John <laughs> you know That guy that's just oh, he's so weird. But uh, just super over dramatic. If you don't know it, it's like this show that they they like pose fake and like fabricated situations to like see if people would react. And so there's one I was watching the other night, actually last night, and uh, <laughs> As I was freaking out, but uh, it was like this guy was like at this like dress store for 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 women, and he was like trying to find a, a dress for his, his girlfriend. And the whole situation was just like, what if they were out and they didn't have the right size for a girlfriend? What would you do? And this guy just like broke down and crying, and like he's, he's an actor, but he's just crying in the middle of a store, and nobody helps him. No, everyone—it's like all these old ladies and like moms and they're just like who there is even one point they like asked one of the managers one of the women's was like is he like should he be here should we call the cops and like get him out of here because they're just so weirded out by the fact that this guy's just this grown man's just crying in the corner and so it's just it was so funny just to remember like like just as a kid watching that and thinking like what I would do but it's so such a clear picture of like the world we're in today because they literally have to fabricate and overdramatize and cultivate situations to pull people into action, and then they don't. It just goes to show the true nature of people and how we're so short-sighted, and we, we, we just don't go help out a crying man in the corner. I don't know. I thought that was... We'll see how that translates to what this sermon is, but we'll see. But <laughs> So, going back to the actual Scripture we see that this is a true story, not fabricated, a supernatural occurrence of an earthquake that opens the door to freedom, but Paul chooses to stay. I know for a fact that I would not have done what he did. I would have easily, you know, looked around, you know, done that, like, double take, checked the chains, okay, and just walked out. I would have easily just taken the easy way out. And so, like the gospel, let us remember that ultimately God is always at work. In whatever situation you may find you find yourself in or whoever you may be talking to, know that a little moment of faith and obedience could open a door to a miraculous salvation story, just like the ones we read here in Acts 16. So guys, as we kind of end, remember that we have a calling to, f- to be faithful and spread the gospel. We know what we must do and what we must be told, what must be told, so why don't we do it? We are so nearsighted to the advancement of the gospel. Why? We were too worried about our limitations and weaknesses. I was too worried about how it was going to sound and look and probably pit out up here that I was losing sight of the gospel. And I, I actually, this has been like kind of like a motif, or was a motif for the annual training. It was 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 26 through 31. And I kind of want to, you pull your attention there. It's not up on the screen. If you want to flip there, you can. But I'm just going to read this as we kind of close. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise for, from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring nothing what is viewed as something. So that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us in our righteousness, sanctification, redemption, in order that, as it is written, let no one let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. I love the emphasis on the word chosen. We are used as tools for the proclamation of the gospel. So in light of the gospel, in light of the death, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, that we firmly believe in. May we know that we are forever, that whatever we do for the kingdom in God is never unseen by our Father and never in vain. Sound good? Let's pray. Dear Lord, yeah, thank you for the reminder of the gospel through the words of um, in the work of Paul. God, through these stories of salvation, and maybe remember that we have no reason to fear, Lord, for you are the only one that will offer grace and power and strength and confidence, Lord. So let us take that and live that out as we, as we go about our days. Lord, you are awesome and mighty to be praised for what you're doing, not only in this city, but all around the world. So let us remember the gospel every day and live it out. We thank you and we praise you always. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.